All right, we're in, a, we're in a series here called Renewal, and we're talking about declaration. And, and our key scripture is in John 8, which I'm going to read out of today. And then I'm going to, tur- we're going to turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, Stevie did a tremendous job last week. Let's give him a big, a big uh, round of applause there. If you missed that, it's not up yet online, but you're going to want to go hear Stevie teach he, he taught on something I never thought of before, and that is how our silence becomes lying. And when our silence becomes lying, and we've talked before that we are not just supposed to not be negative. We have to be godly positive. It's not enough just to not curse somebody. We're supposed to bless somebody. And that silence wants you to believe that the declarations of Scripture are actually the impossible things, that God is good is actually the lie, and to believe the lie is the truth of which God is making you sick and God is breaking your leg to teach you a lesson. He did a really, really good job of expressing that. I was like super um, engaged and super happy to hear him talk about that, that the enemy loves that, that silence And he loves that wrong belief, okay? And so we're working on and talking about our beliefs, those lies that we believe. And the problem with most lies is that we don't even know they're lies. And so therefore we take patterns of reading scripture and we listen to people only that we already like, that already agree with us. So we never give God opportunity to intrude and speak truth to us and counteract our lie. We rarely give a chance for, for us to even speak out a lie, we keep them hidden so deep into our heart, but our life around us begins to reflect those wrong beliefs. Uh, in, in John 8.32, it says, So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Some of the messages we've had on what the truth is, Now, I love deeper truth about our finances and about the blessings of God that that unlock our ability to follow along with good earthly principles. We're not looking for a, a key to something superficial. We're looking for keys to things that are deeper that unlock what my life is supposed to look like and the uniqueness of how God created me. So in this this area of of where we need to know the truth, I I, I actually prayed part of this. There, there's four main areas of belief that will probably encompass everything that you struggle with, will almost will encompass everything that you ha- need hope for or that you're believing a lie and you need uh, massive amounts of chemotherapy truth into these areas. And the first one is what we believe about God. We need to have right beliefs about God in order for us to thrive as a human being, as a Christian especially. The second one is who we believe we are. We walk around with a lot of wrong belief about who we are. A lot of wrong belief, and you can hear it come out of people's mouth quite a bit, and we've talked some about that. The third one is what we believe about others. If I believe that there's a group of others meeting at different churches around me that are bad churches that aren't as good as me, then I have a... It's amazing to me how many times I sit down and talk with people, mostly other ministers, that want to talk bad about other ministers. I don't, 
I don't understand it. I, well, I, no, that's not true. I do understand it. It's awesome to talk bad about other ministers because you feel better about yourself. It's a, it's, it's a judgment thing that feels like wisdom when I judge others. But what we believe about others um, produces a life with others that we are godly or is not godly, that we engage in with others or we don't engage with others. The fourth one is what we believe about our circumstances. So my future, your future from today on out, uh, depends on upgrading what you believe, finding out lies about what you believe about God, what you believe about yourself, what you believe about others, what you believe about your circumstances. All right? Most of us hate to be confronted with the word choices that we use and say, hey, that might be a lie. I was with a couple pastors uh, end of last year with a couple pastor friends, and they were both talking. They hadn't seen each other for a while. They were both talking about how afraid they were about um, the current political situation. And I listened for five or six minutes. I got my order. I was like, you know what? I'm not afraid at all. And instead of going, well, you know what? We are afraid. Help us. They, were, they both immediately talked about was we are afraid. But as soon as our words, as soon as our, our words are talked about, we want to withdraw them and say, well, that's really not what I meant. What I meant is this right thing that actually doesn't expose my lie. We don't like our lies being exposed. And that's often why we don't talk very openly. That's why we struggle with vulnerability. That's why we struggle with I'm in pain and I'm sick. We just say, I couldn't make it to church. I couldn't make it there. I don't. We, we, we have this, this, this way of going about as a church that's not a very kingdom way. And your future depends on you upgrading those, those lies. Upgrading, not upgrading your lies. Downgrading the lies, upgrading the beliefs, okay? But we have to put ourselves in positions to be challenged about our beliefs. We have to sit and we have to hear the Holy Spirit say, sit under this and get what I want you to get from it. I had preached years ago a series called, um, I don't know if this was the title, because now that I say it, it sounds like a dumb title. But the whole key was to eat your broccoli. That most of us are, are, are eating regularly the exact same thing. We're not eating the, the, the other things that are uh, very valuable for us, that carry really small, minute amount of, of, of nutrients that are good for us. And I had taught that, and I was about the number three, and I was uh, the third Sunday. I'm there, and I'm shopping, and I'm like, uh, I feel like the Lord said, eat your broccoli. I'm like, okay, God. And the Lord's like, well, turn around. Your broccoli's behind you. And I turn around, and there's a mountain of Joel Osteen's books there. And I didn't like Joel Osteen because all he is is positive. All he is is the. And I had judged him, and, and I, I paid my eighteen ninety nine or whatever. I got that book, and I read that entire book. And I was like, this is exactly, I need, I need an infusion of that God is good, that God is for me. But all I could do is talk about one thing without seeing that this is my nutrient. This is, this is what I need. I, I had lacked hope and I had lacked a positive way of thinking. I don't mean a positive just like, woohoo, but a scripturally based way of thinking that God is on my side, that God is good. And I don't know what your broccoli is. Nobody knows. And the, one of the problems is once we start looking healthier, once we, once we stay married, once we stay employed, once we stay in, you know, once we have some stability in us, what happens is we slowly begin to die and nobody notices it, but we actually know it. There's nutrients that we need to have. 
had the same experience back in uh, 2000, into 2016. I was on a, a website, uh, going to meet a friend in Redding, California. And uh, I felt like the Lord said, I want you to submit to Bethel's uh, leadership development program for all of 2017. And I began to cry back to my charismatic roots would look like. And I did not want to have to do anything with that. I didn't like it. I didn't like some people around it and all of those things. And, and it was, it's been the most, one of the most brilliant things I've done is just that submission to something that uh, I really needed, that I was actually desperate for, that was actually an answer to prayer that I could have never found on my own because I would have only listened to people that I already agreed with and already listened to. And then I got something else out of obedience to God, that God's just done something more and more in me. Now, we're in this negativity, fast, positivity feast, and I love it's not just fasting the negative, but it's speaking the positive. And it's hitting a lot about beliefs in these four areas. In fact, it's set up into these four areas. And it, it's, uh, this is the main problem I'm coming across. There's 20-something of us in, in this fast, and then uh, another friend of mine is doing a fast with about 15 people online. The problem is, is exactly what Stevie taught last year. We read it. I hope this is true. I hope, I hope God loves me. I hope there's a solution for everything. I hope God's good. But then they remain silent about it. They don't declare those scriptures. They don't, they, they don't, they don't, they don't burrow in with the Holy Spirit and find out where that life is. They remain silent because we do not like to change our minds. If we don't like somebody, we want to keep not liking them. If we don't like a group of people, we're self-righteous in our judgment of other groups of people. It's true of racism, of sexism. I mean, if you don't, if you don't like all of Hollywood, instead of going, God, I'm going to pray that God redeems Hollywood. If you don't like all of the Silicon Valley, if you don't like all of what a, a, a racial group or whatever, it's, it's, there, there's, a, there's a redemptive power and there's, there's ways to speak out God's heart towards those groups instead of being negative. I heard a couple of weeks ago that it, uh, uh, no, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm going to go there. Hold on a second. So we don't like to change. Change is really, really hard, super hard. We have to determine. This is the thing, though. We're actually created to engage in and love change. Dr. Caroline Leaf did a lot of studies on the brain, and we, we, our brain likes to change, but our habits and our way of thinking and protect ourselves is to make us not change. But physically, our mind is made to change. The gift of repentance is a gift of mind change. It's a gift of mind change. It's not like I'm going to work up some new beliefs. It's like I'm going to engage with my Heavenly Father, with the Holy Spirit, and He's going to give me a gift of awareness that what I'm doing is wrong, Maybe not wrong for anybody else in the room, but wrong for me. And boom, and from this point on, because I've been given this gift, I'm going to begin walking out my life completely different. And all my decisions will be based on something else. That's why, but still have a gambler's mindset. You can totally quit drinking, but still have a stinking thinking mindset. You, there's, there's these things that, that you can stop doing, but you still have the belief system behind it that propel you into different things. We like to think that the world should move and operate how we think the world should move and operate. That's why we judge people so readily, so quickly. Because they didn't do what I would have done, therefore they did it wrong. They didn't do what, they didn't say what I would have said. They didn't preach it like I would have preached it. So we're always looking and there's some, there's some, uh, some pride in there. There's a lot of pride in there that says how I would have done it would have been the, been the best way. 
And we've got to be really careful with that because the Lord wants to upgrade the way we think, which is the way we see the world, the way I see my wife, my daughter, my friends, the way I see a stranger, the way I see somebody that walks in off the street like they did for coffee the other morning, um, who the first thing he says is he lists out all of his problems. It was a delight to hear, actually. It's the first thing. And so it, it, it changes. It gives me a new filter. And there's some work on my part to create and to get new filters. But mostly it's surrendering to the Holy Spirit and allowing the Holy Spirit to, to show me those things. And the truth is, the only truth you're living by is the truth that you believe. Even if you call the lie a truth, you're still living by that. And uh, I'm going to tweak it a little bit. I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm going to use it differently. But, but my truth is often a lie. But you hear that my truth is often a lie. My truth is often a lie. You know, I've said it before. If you're listening to me for very long and you agree with everything I said, you're not listening very well. Okay? If you're listening to me very long, if you're listening to any preacher, if you're reading your Bible, you go, huh, I agree with that, I agree with that. Yep, yep, yep. You're not reading very well. There's no Holy Spirit with you. If you hear me preach for a few months and you're not a little bit bothered by me, then you're not listening very well. Because the Holy Spirit is constantly prodding us, saying, here, here's a gift of repentance. Take it right here. This anger that you're feeling is actually you defending against my truth that I want to bring in here, and I want to take away your wrong belief. That depression that comes in and whooshes down on you, or that, 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 that feeling that you get that you want to be away from everybody, that's actually your time that you're supposed to step towards repentance, supposed to step towards renewal, supposed to step, step towards surrender. And that those, are, those, are, those emotional and physical responses are actually our indicators that it's time to step in and receive a gift of repentance as we get closer and closer to the Lord. But so often we fight against those things. And we know in, in Luke, not by Satan. So the desert isn't a horrible place, by the way. The desert isn't a horrible place. He was led there by the, by the, the Holy Spirit into the desert. We need to rethink what desert is, what desert time is. But in there, the, the, the devil does what? He uses scripture to talk a big lie to Jesus, to try to get Jesus to do something, to, to, to change his, to change, to do something that's out of his identity. The enemy's always offering us religious, partial truth to get us to walk out of our identity instead of walking into our identity. And we, we, we use scripture... Um, so much, and most of us are so overtaught when it comes to Scripture. We're so overtaught because we haven't caught our identity. We haven't caught the love. We haven't caught the grace. We haven't caught the compassion. We have, we're not reading Scripture out of, I'm identified as a son, as a beloved. We read it out of a sinner. If, if, if I read, you know, all have fallen short of the glory of God, all have sinned. All, if I read that and I was like, oh, I'm still a sinner, I read it differently. If I read it as an identity, as I'm a son, I'm a beloved, that's what I used to be. I'm now adopted into a whole nother family, a whole nother realm, and there's no way you can prove that I was ever in that family. And when I talk to God with like, hey, God, you know, remember back, he's like, I don't even know what you're talking about. It's like we like constantly jog God's memory with, I'm a sinner, I'm a horrible person, these are all the deeds I've done. He's like, I've, it's already gone. Your forgiveness is often a lie. means that if I'm holding on to a lie, but I'm calling it a truth, then I hear God's truth, I perceive God's truth to be a lie, and I do everything I can to protect my truth. 
So there's not an exchange there. I'm supposed to exchange. I give up. I say whatever, whatever you're telling me to be true. And that's what, we're do- that's what we're doing when we're declaring scripture. That there's always a solution. To everything I face, there's a solution. I'm not saying that on my own. I'm saying that because the Lord says there's a solution. And I'm declaring what he would say over me. That he's not worried about what I need to know. He's not worried about any wisdom I need to have. So I just declare what he's telling me that there's a solution. And it's... it's, it's, it's it's founded in Scripture and in God's identity of me, not in me just making something up like I want a new car. It's not that sort of declaration. So if I'm holding on to a truth, what does it take God to get that truth shaken? And a lot of times that lie moves us into bad relationships, bad addictive problems, bad church situations, bad business deals, and it moves us into things that then cause trouble in our life. And then we say, God is causing me this trouble. God is taking away my house. God is making my kids do this long. I'm walking out that lie. And sometimes those situations make us aware that what I'm holding on to is a lie because it's the time that we go get help. You see, the, you see the spiritual warfare that's going on there. There's a, there's a fight that's going on constantly for what you believe about God, what you believe about yourself, what you believe about your uh, uh, people around you, and what you believe about your circumstances. So when you go to exchange your current truth, the one you're living by, for a higher truth, there's a fight. There's a spiritual battle that goes on. Because you're starting a war between your current truth that you're basing your life on and the higher truth that God wants you to live by. Does that make sense? And by the way, the truth you're living on could be a good principle. And it could be something the Lord told you 10 years ago, but you held on to it. You built it up. You made it your cornerstone instead of relationship with Jesus. And now God's having to blast off that scripture that he told you 10 years ago and said there's a higher, deeper truth. When I opened this message four weeks ago or so, we talked about the truth is truth is expanding. The kingdom of heaven is advancing. God's truth is expanding. What is true of mine and Victoria's relationship now won't be true five or six years from now when she gets her driver's license. And, and actually, it probably goes in the opposite way of mine and God's relationship supposed to get closer and closer instead of her moving away. And we've tried to convince her to live with us forever, but guess what? She's not going to have it. Wouldn't it be nice if your kids would get a job, pay rent, and still live in your house and do their share of work? No. I think that would be great. I think that would be awesome. I like my kids, though. I'm kidding. Maybe if they had a house right next door, that would be great. So, so the, this idea of warfare is engagement in or the activities involved in war or conflict. Everything you read, everything you hear, everything that goes on here, every thought that goes on here is a conflict, is a war going on that you're engaged in. And this is the thing, you're engaged in war whether you want to be or not. You're engaged in war of beliefs whether you want to be or not. And so to, you can turn to 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5. Now while you're turning there, so do I believe... If you live a really good life by good principles, that you're going to do better than a lot of people. 
Absolutely. I believe that by good principles, even without, this is the thing, even without being a believer, good principles work. Godly principles work. Stewardship. So I believe there is a process that we can be on. I also believe that over here, that you can, you can have an impartation of an anointing by the Holy Spirit, and addiction can be dropped off like that. Your identity be, can, can be renewed like that. I heard a story the other day about this, uh, this guy had 10 life sentences in California prison, prison and it was, all, it was all, I can't remember the exact technical reasons he got them all as, a, as an offender. He, he spent about six or seven years in, in, in prison. He got out on a technicality, got radically saved, met a girl who had been in prison in the psychiatric ward that met Jesus, radically saved. They started dating. They started going to a life group who was led by the judge who had put the guy in for 10, 10 life sentences, and he married them later on. And so there's things that, that, that those, are, those are both possible. There's, there's another way. There's, there's not another way. There's, a, there's another weapon in our warfare, and that is our mouth. That is our declaration. It's our declaration. It's, it's our declaration. It's what we're declaring. It's not declaring Trump will win, Trump will lose. It's not declaring those things. It's declaring things over me, me, not just over my kids, but it's declaring things that, that, I, that make me the powerful portion I'm meant to be. It says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. These, these weapons have divine power to mo- demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. There's arguments that are put, put in words that have sentences and have paragraphs. And some of us have entire books written that are lies and are wrong beliefs that oppose the knowledge of God in our life and how that knowledge of God works. And so what we do is, is we don't just hope that things get better. We don't just say, God, you do what you do. What we do is we engage with what God says he's already doing in my life. We, we, we engage in that, and, we, and part of what we're talking about with declarations is a singular way to engage. And, uh, you know, we, and we believe in supernatural healing. We believe in uh, a freedom from addiction and prayer. We believe in being released, uh, delivered from the demonic. At the same time, you can, you can, you can cast out all the demons you want, but if you're not, if you're not, if you're not filling yourself through the knowledge of God, and if you're not demolishing those strongholds, strongholds are built brick upon brick upon brick, the same way the kingdom is built. And they're usually built right next to and pretensions or prideful thinking. And the message it says, loose thoughts and emotions and impulses that run rampant, those things that oppose the knowledge of God. So we take every thought captive and we make it obedient to Christ. So we don't, we don't stuff it all down, which brings us, we, we try to be silent there, but we still throw up, we talk a lot of garbage. We talk a lot of stuff that actually counter that counter punches or counteracts what we're trying to live. So we say, I'm a loser, I'm a sinner saved by grace. But if I was saved by grace, I'm no longer a sinner and I'm no longer a loser and I'm no longer, so why would I identify myself with what I'm no longer anymore? So we, we keep identifying ourselves in our conversation with our dead man and declarations declare our new man, our new life, our new creation as being alive. I'm a new creation now, not when I go to heaven. I'm a new creation now. There's something different about me now. 
And so that war we wage against, that's being waged against you, we engage with it with our words. A lot with our words. But what happens is we, we do something. We get super mad. And the enemy lies to us. And there's a belief about shame. You're just an angry person. You just need to be quiet and not talk at all again. And so we go silent, which is a lie. So we live a lie. We live out of a wrong belief. Instead, regardless of what our experience is, regardless of how angry of a person I am, I declare in Jesus, I declare that I'm right, righteously in my anger. So there's, there's, a, there's a voice that we're supposed to have. And if we fight in these, these areas, if we fight in these areas and we replace our thoughts with God thoughts, each of these areas will begin to expand. And there's a tangible expression of right belief that comes through our relationships, that come through how we walk about in the world, just how we are, how we show up at work, how we show up in our neighborhood, how we show up in a conversation. Uh, this is some powerful stuff that helps us walk in our own power. So declarations, and we talked about this last year when I talked about dynamic gratitude. Declarations, when you read a scripture and you declare it, say, this is me. I am the righteousness of God. And you hear this voice. No, you're not. You just did this. I am the righteousness of God. Most of us won't even say, I am fearfully and wonderfully made because blank, 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 and say something because we're like, well, I don't want to be prideful. So what we're doing, we're taking a wrong belief about what pride looks like, and we're not even declaring what the Lord says over us. We'll declare it over other people. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Unburned children are fearfully and wonderfully made. 12-year-olds, jerks. I'm sorry, 13-year-olds. So, we, so we, we dismiss, because of our belief system, so many things, and, 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 and it tastes bitter often when we say, if we, if we, and, 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 but we declare that, that that is a greater, higher truth than even my lack of wisdom right now. Uh, God, I am God's righteousness, is a greater declaration, a higher truth, a truth that would re, could replace that I am, I am not righteous at all, which is actually... Me keep saying I'm not righteous is self-righteousness because I keep identifying myself. I keep, I keep it about myself and not about the work of the cross. When I say I am righteous is actually one of the most humble things I can say. Because humility is dependence upon God my Father and the work of the cross, not about what I have or haven't done. All right, so I've got to close here. So if it tastes bitter when you're, do, when you're doing the uh, negativity fast, the positivity feast, whether it's about your kindness or about your character or about your life or about your future, or about your relationships or about how much God loves you, if it tastes bitter, and some of them will, if they don't, you're not understanding what they mean. I'm, I'm telling you, the word of God is hurtful. The word of God pokes and prods and slices and dices. And if you got to the point where it doesn't, then powerful we can be is when we identify ourselves as his beloved of a good God who we have great relationships and we're making a difference in the world because of who God has called us to be. And this idea of those arguments is to, is to allow those arguments to come forth, allow that disagreement to be heard so you're aware of those things. And then the Holy Spirit does everything else. 
The Holy Spirit does do that. But we have to be speaking. We have to be walking in a certain way, but we won't walk in any way that we don't believe. We might do it for 10 years, but that, that disbelief always crops up. Go ahead and stand up. I do want to convince you to declare things over yourself, over your household, over your relationships, over who you are in God's eyes. And there is that, there is that uh, positivity fe- feast on Facebook. We're, we're almost done. We only have two weeks left. But uh, there's some good things out there for that. But I want you to think about that David. David shows up to defeat his Goliath. Am I the only one that still has a Goliath in my life? Goliaths? Most of them are, but but Goliath has brothers. There's things to be defeated as you walk further and further into your promised life. Think about that. What what does David declare? He doesn't just say, I'm going to kill you, but he's standing there without a sword. I don't have a sword. I'm not a trained swordsman. I'm a shepherd. I know how to use this, but I'm going to, there's going to be a provision in my future of a sword to cut your head off. So in declarations are our engagement in right ways with the battle. So Father God, we just thank you for oh this is we thank you for the love that you are declaring for us. We thank you that you declared it at the cross, you declared it at creation, and you continue to declare your love. You don't say, hey sinners, hey losers, hey you guys that haven't got together, you say, hey, my beloved, hey my beloved Hey, my children. Hey, my favored ones. You're calling us in. You're calling us by name. And and most of us wouldn't even recognize how you see us if you painted a picture of us. Because we're so engulfed and we're so uh, in disbelief about your goodness and about your grace. And how tangible and how mighty and how present it is to save and to heal us. And to walk in the fullness of the joy of the salvation you've given us. So, Father God, we, we declare this morning that we are your righteousness, that we are your beloved, that, that, that there is nothing we can do to separate us from your love, that you are constantly fighting for us. And your thoughts and plans for us are amazing, beyond what we can hope for, beyond what we can imagine. We thank you for that, Father God. I just ask your blessing upon each person in here and their family and their home, their jobs and their finances, the people that they love that are around them and the people that are their enemies, Father God, that your kingdom would be expanded because of how we speak, because of how we live, and how we love one another. In your son's name, everybody said?